Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Take your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, does anyone need a Bible? Put your hand up and we will make sure you get one. Okay. Matthew chapter 6. And we're uh, continuing. This is our second week in this series that we're, series that we're calling, What Did Jesus Say And the whole purpose of this series is to look at some uh, important subjects that relate to the Christian life. So what that means is, if I say I'm a follower of Jesus, and the Bible talks about these things, what did Jesus say about them? Why should I care, ultimately? And uh, last week we talked about prayer, and this week specifically... We're going to be asking the question, what did Jesus say about fasting? Now, I'm curious here, how many of you have heard at some point or another a teaching uh, on fasting? Just put your hands up and let me see. Okay, a handful of you. What I have found interesting, and this was personally convicting to me this week as I opened up Scripture, is that in the Bible... As a whole, there is just as much, if not more, teaching about fasting than there is about giving. And yet, like so many other subjects, within the Western church, we largely become consumed by the things we kind of pick and choose out of what God's Word says rather than striving to see the whole picture of what God has called us to in Christ. And fasting is talked about a lot, and yet many of us just don't even know. It might be one of those things I've heard the word before, or I knew someone who practiced that. Sometimes youth ministries will do a a 24-hour fast and go through that. But I, I will say, in my upbringing, growing even growing up in the church, uh, this was something as a kid that I, I just didn't know. And it was, a, it was a good challenge for me on Friday when I uh, was finalizing some of the work on my message. And my seven-year-old came in and uh, uh, asked me uh, what my sermon was about. And so I said it was about fasting. And she said, well, what, what is fasting? And I realized right then and there that this is much harder to explain than it should be. Uh, and if you ever want to challenge and ask yourself, do I really know as much about this part of my faith as I think I do, uh, open up the discussion with your kids because they, they don't know and they will ask whatever question they feel like. So if you want a good test, uh, talk to your kids or your grandkids and uh, talk about something you're learning and I, I almost guarantee they will ask a question to you that will challenge you and grow your faith. Um, that is definitely what happened to me this week. Uh, and so with that, one of the, one of the 
uh, things I want to start with is what what is fasting? And then we're going to go to Matthew 6. We're going to read Jesus' words here. But specifically, if I'm going to define this term, uh, the first thing I need to answer is what is it? What, what, what does it look like? And this is a definition that summarizes a def, uh, fasting well when it says that fasting is to go without something that we normally depend on in some way in order to heighten our dependence on God. Okay? So as a general rule, when you think of fasting, and you hear us talk about fasting, I want you to picture this. Fasting is the discipline or the practice of me going without something that I normally would depend on for the purpose of heightening my dependence on God. And we're going to unpack more specifically what that should and shouldn't look like according to God's Word. So I'm going to start in verse 16 of Matthew 6. And this picks up where we left off last week in our discussion on prayer. Verse 16 of Matthew 6 says, And when you fast, everyone say when. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father, as we look at this, may you open our eyes to see the things that we treasure even more than you. And uh, Lord, give us clarity on this discipline for your purposes in your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as a bit of a quiz here from last week, specifically in Matthew 6, who is Jesus talking to? Shout it out. Disciples. He's talking to his disciples. And uh just jot down Matthew 5.1 as a reference to that. In Matthew 5.1, it's the beginning of what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Scripture. And it says that seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. His disciples came to him and he sat down and taught them. And we have this discourse that follows. So specifically, Jesus is talking to those people who have already said, I choose to follow Jesus. Now, if you're listening to this and you have not made that decision yet, then this is good knowledge for you to have. But apart from Christ, practicing this discipline will be of no value to you. And the focus for you, if you're listening to this and you're going, I just don't really know where I stand with the Lord is to step back and answer the question, who is Jesus and why did He come? And if we, if we can help you answer that question, whether you're listening to this online, on the radio, or you're here today, 
I want you to send us an email. You give us a call. You pull us aside after today. Because the most important thing for you today is to recognize that our only hope is in Christ. And there is salvation in Christ and in Christ alone. And Scripture says if you believe in the name of Jesus to be saved, you, you will be saved. And that's it. And it's believing that I in and of myself am incapable of coming to God and standing before Him because of my sin. And yet in Christ, the price for my sin has been paid in full so that I am redeemed and I am set apart And I believe that Jesus died for me. He rose again to show that there is no power over death in Christ. And that He's going to come back again someday and establish His kingdom here. Okay? But if you're here today or you're listening to this and you go, I I believe this. I will stand up and shout, I am a follower of Jesus. Then this discipline and the The practice and learning of the significance of this is important. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, it's important. It is so crucial that we understand the value of this. So Jesus here talking to his disciples, what is he talking about? He's talking about fasting. And specifically, what does he say about fasting in Matthew chapter 6? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to reveal here according to Scripture, some wrong motives that Jesus identifies right here in Matthew 6. And then we're going to look broadly at the whole context of Scripture and ask the question, well, what are the right motives for me to fast? What what are the right motives? And then we're going to finish out with some application as to why I should consider fasting and when should I fast. Okay? So, specifically to start, we're going to we're going to look at what what not to do. What's what is wrong, okay? So in verse 16 of Matthew 6, he says Jesus says when you fast, and remember note there he says when and not if, when you fast, do not look gloomy as the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, why? That their fasting may be seen by others. So what, I want you to just pause and visualize, visualize this for a minute. The best visual that I could come up with was thinking about what happens when, uh, when kids say they're hungry an hour after you've given them lunch or dinner. And they, they will really try to sell it to you, right? I'm so hungry. I'm starving. I need some food. Well, your lunch is still on the table. No, I need a brownie. Right? <laughs> and they're really good at it. They're really good at it. And the reality is they're, they're purposefully disfiguring their face. Why? Because they want you to know just how hungry they are. Even though snack time is going to be in another two or three hours. No, I'm hungry now. And the Pharisees are doing something similar, except they're doing it so that their righteousness can be seen by other people. Just like they were doing with prayer. So they're fasting and they're, they're fasting specifically from food 
And so they're disfiguring their face. And so you just picture these religious leaders standing on the corner praying, as Jesus talked about earlier in Matthew 6. And they're just, they're just miserable. I'm hungry and I'm praying, but it's all for the Lord. But look at me. I'm a righteous person. I'm holy. My relationship with God is superior. Uh, wrong. Everyone say wrong. It's a wrong motive. It's, it is wrong, okay? If we are doing anything that we're doing in our relationship with Christ merely so that I look better amongst people, it's wrong, okay? It is not right. It is not what the Bible calls us to. And the second one follows with that and is similar but is a little bit different. And that is, it's wrong for me to approach the discipline of fasting with selfish Motive, And what I mean by that is motive that has no devotion whatsoever to the Lord. And if you look at Jesus' instruction following this in verse 16, he says, Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. That's the, the religious leaders, the hypocrites. They, their reward is people acknowledging them. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And the question then is, well, wait a minute. So I'm, I'm supposed to just fast on my own and nobody's going to know about it? No. Why? Because it should not be selfishly motivated. And here's a little info for you, okay? When the Bible talks about fasting, it's not talking about an intermittent fasting eating plan. Not the same thing, okay? This, this is a specific, if we go back to our definition of fasting, it is I am choosing to do without something that I would normally depend on so that my dependency on God is heightened. And if I do this just because, man, I'm going to personally increase my own, my own spirituality right now by doing this, it's, all, it's about me. If it is about me, then I am sorely mistaken. Because when I come to faith in Christ, it should be a shift where it is less and less and less about me and more and more and more about Him. Every day. Every moment. And when I see my tendencies to pull towards the selfish, it should drive me back to my knees and go, I need to depend fully upon my God. These are wrong motives. Everyone say wrong. So now I want to, I want to go to some other places in scripture and look at some examples of right motives for fasting because Jesus makes it clear to his disciples, this is a when, not an if. It's assumed here that Followers of Christ are going to be fasting. Now, a, a little sidebar here and a little historical note for you. Per the law of the Old Testament, the Israelite people were only required by the law to fast once per year. And that once per year was the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement was the one day where the chief priest could enter the holy places and make sacrifice to atone for the sins of the people. And this practice, the Day of Atonement, foreshadowed the need for an ultimate sacrifice that would atone for the sins of mankind. So every year, 
until the coming of Christ. Every year, this was practiced and had to be. There was elaborate ritual that would go into how the chief priest dressed and washed himself and prepared to enter the presence, really the dwelling place of where God resided amongst his people. Now, the amazing truth is, if we read Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10 gives us this hope where it says, Since we now can enter the holy places with confidence through the blood of Jesus, let us hold fast, let us draw near, let us... Okay, I call it the Hebrews lettuce passage. But we've been given the ability to enter the presence of God through Christ. And so the, 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 the Israelites, per the law, were required to fast once per year. Well, the religious leaders of that day and age, they were fasting twice per week. And were doing so with wrong motive. And if you want a reference for that, Luke 18.2, we see biblically that, that they were practicing this multiple times per week. And so the, the question becomes, in the midst of this, What are the right motives for me to practice this discipline of fasting? And the first one of those is uh, to worship. To worship. In Luke chapter 2, we have this example of uh, Anna, the prophetess, who was sitting outside the temple when Jesus was dedicated by Simeon. And this is an amazing testimony of this woman's faith. And we, we don't often hear about her because there's such a small portion of Scripture devoted to her. But in Luke chapter 2, it says that there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple Worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Talk about a powerful testimony of faith. And so fasting here was a part of her worship day and night. She would practice this. It's side by side with prayer here. As an act of worship before God. Okay. Secondly, right motive for fasting to seek the Lord's guidance. In Acts chapter 13 verses 2 and 3, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So it's in the midst of those people actively disciplining themselves with fasting and praying that the Lord gives guidance as to the next step, as to the next movement in their ministry as they continue to share the hope of the gospel. To seek the Lord's guidance. Thirdly, to repent. Now this one may be one of the most common that if, we, if you have practiced fasting before, that it, it may have come up. 
I recognize my sin. I recognize the weightiness of this. And so in repentance, I'm going to fast or keep myself from something I depend on in order to acknowledge and recognize my sin before the Lord. In Joel chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, says, Put on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in, pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God, because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. This is a pretty bold warning. When I read passages of Scripture like this, it kind of wakes me up and makes me go, whoa, okay, where is it in my life that I need to reevaluate and take some major disciplined steps in a direction that is way more focused on God than I have been? And this we have to come back to again and again and again, church. This is not something that we get right the first time. Disciplines are developed over time. And it means we have to faithfully pursue them, intentionally practice them. And over time it becomes a part of our walk with the Lord. To worship, to seek the Lord's guidance, to repent. The fourth and last one I'm going to mention here is a right motive for fasting is for strength and direction. Specifically in Acts 14.23, it says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And so, I don't know the last time that I've seen practiced that as we send people out, we not only pray over them, but we also fast as a recognition of our need to depend on God in their sending out. That's exactly what's happening here. God, we need your strength. We need your direction because we are weak people incapable of doing this on our own. Now, as a side note here, church, the danger with any of these disciplines, whether it's prayer or fasting or anything else, is that we're going to do it and see that as what saves us. Biblically, nothing you do in action can save you. Why? Because I am a sinful person. And it's easy to recognize that as soon as I do something right, I do five things that are not right. On a tipping scale, there is no chance. It's not even close. Praise God that He sent Jesus so that it is not dependent on what you do to be saved. Amen? Fasting will not save you, nor should we make it apparent that it will. Rather, fasting is for the purpose that I would fix my eyes way more fully on the God of the universe. 
And you might have seen Zechariah 7 mentioned in a previous slide. Read that this week. Because in Zechariah 7, God speaks through the prophet. And he asks the question, was this fasting that you've done, was it, was it really for me? And the people hardened their hearts. And it actually says in Zechariah 7 that they, they made their hearts diamond hard. What a descriptor. And if we are not careful, we will do the exact same thing. Now, the next question, why should we fast? And there's two reasons I'm going to give you. The first one, Fasting reveals the reality that we are not God. What do I mean by that? We need nourishment. You and I need food to survive. And for many of you, you would probably recognize that you need food to have a good attitude. Anyone here get hangry really easily? I do. <laughs> okay? And uh, that's oftentimes in our house when things are just chaotic. Uh, there's two questions we have to ask is, are we hungry and are we tired? And if the answers are both yes, then we just need to stop, set aside what we're doing, <laughs> eat some food, take some time, and re-engage after the fact. And usually it goes way better, right? What does this reveal? I need nourishment. I am dependent on something external in order to sustain me and give me energy and strength. God is not. God is not dependent on earthly nourishment in order to thrive. He just is. Not only this, we need direction. I don't know about you, but I have no idea what my week is going to bring. I have a schedule. I'd like it to stay that way. Do I have control over that? No. Do I know or have any idea what the next five years are going to hold? No. Why? Because I'm not God. And we get in this mode, church, where we convince ourselves that we are. And then we get really upset when things don't go the way we planned. Last year revealed that 100%. God doesn't need direction. He already knows. Nothing surprises Him. He's the only one who knows the day Jesus will return. And it's going to stay that way until He does. We need salvation. It's made glaringly obvious by our sin. God doesn't need saving. He is. He's perfectly holy. When I fast, I recognize my frailty. I recognize my mortality. And that recognition should drive me back to the God of the universe. Secondly, why should we fast? Fasting reveals what controls us. And in Luke 21, Jesus gives a specific instruction about removing those things which would control you from your life. But when I, you want a good test of this, think about something that you regularly depend on day to day and remove it from your life for 24 hours. 
some good examples of this. Social media. Everyone here could benefit from an extended fast from social media. Okay? But something you'll find interesting, if you remove yourself from that, you will find yourself drawn back to it over and over after just a short amount of time. Media in general. You want a challenge? Try to go an extended period of time without media. And without even thinking about it, you'll grab the remote. You'll grab your phone. Because we have lost the ability to fill time with anything except entertainment. Here's another idea. Take 24 hours, one day a week, and unplug from everything. Just one day. One day. The Lord called us biblically to take a Sabbath day, right? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's not a Sabbath day if you spend the day worrying and speculating over what's happening around you and what's to come. That is not a Sabbath day. Sabbath is meant to be a day that we step back and we focus specifically on the Lord. Fasting reveals really quickly the items in my life that are controlling my affections. So when should we fast, church? The answer is simple. We fast until Jesus comes again. Now, this does not mean you start today and you keep fasting until Jesus comes again because I promise you, you will see Jesus before He comes. Okay? Don't do that. Alright? Well, and I guess I should take that back. I don't know because Jesus could come back tomorrow and you would probably survive until tomorrow without food. So, just dismiss that statement. All I'm saying is, you need food. Okay? The reason I put this in here is because in Matthew 9, Jesus is approached by the disciples of John. And they came to him and said, why do we and the Pharisees fast and your disciples do not? Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. It's expected and anticipated by Jesus that his followers will actively devote themselves to the practice of fasting after he leaves. Now, the reality of this church is you have a choice to make in the midst of this. A choice to devote yourself fully to God and what he has called you to. Or a choice to allow those external things to control your affections and your focus. Okay? So in the midst of this, here's what I want you to consider, okay? I want you to evaluate your own life and ask the question, what is the most controlling aspect of my life right now? Is it your finances? Is it your family? Is it technology? Is it media? What is it, okay? And then I want you to ask yourself the question, what is it practically in my life that I depend on to sustain whatever is controlling me. And then set a goal. Once a month. To practice fasting actively from that. And devote that time to the Lord. 
Ask him to reveal to you in that time what he's called you to in Christ. And allow your affections and your eyes to be more fully fixed on the only one who can save us, the only one who can redeem us. And I'm here to tell you, church, culture is not going to get better. So stop anticipating that it will. It won't. Jesus told us it won't. In fact, he promised that it was going to get worse. But our hope is not here if we're in Christ. Amen? It's in an eternal hope that cannot be taken away. And that's what we look forward to. Devoting ourselves to the only one who has the power to save us. So what we're going to do as we close today is we're going to pause a minute. And uh, as you came in, you probably saw these cups. Uh, these are our communion elements. If you didn't get those, you can go right now and grab them off the table, okay? Um, and uh, by the way, sidebar on this, some of you noticed that this is white grape juice instead of red. Uh, hashtag COVID. They told us they ran out of red grape juice. So here's what I'm telling you, okay? This, this grape juice has been, has been washed white just like we have been by the blood of Jesus. Alright? <laughs> but what we're gonna do is we are going to pause for a minute. I want you to evaluate those questions in your own life. What controls me? Where is my focus? Recommit to the Lord. Okay? And then, uh, during that time, we're gonna have a special number played and then we're going to uh, take communion together and sing one last song as we prepare to go out into our community with the hope of Christ. All right? Father, we commit this to you and ultimately recognize that we are prone to depend upon ourselves more than you. Break us from those things that control our affections and focus our attention on you, I pray in Jesus' name.